Welcome to the Ponder New Podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Myalis, and uh, this podcast, we look at the ancient stories of Scripture and ponder them anew. And in this episode, I want to wrap up our sort of our summer series here on the first couple chapters of Paul's letter to the Romans. And, you know, at points um, in this podcast, I've been trying to talk about a lot of different sort of themes that, that Paul uplifts. And to sort of bring it together, what I'm going to wrap it up with is, I think above all, to me, the letter of the Romans is a witness to how big God is, not only in some power, abstract measure of power, but, but really in his love, uh, in his love for, for you and for me and, and for this world. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll bear this last witness here for this summer podcast just about the, uh, the height and depth of, of God's love and the cross that surpasses all of our expectations again and again and raises us up to new life. So happy Pondering. Imagine there's no heaven. For this reason, the promise depends on faith, in order that it may rest on grace, so that it may be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said, so shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, and the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. I was debating how I could wrap up this season on Romans. We've been talking about a lot of things, honor, shame, uh, glory, wrath, law, gospel, punishment, forgiveness, a lot of these classical theological themes, um, and hopefully reflecting on how they bear themselves out in our world and uh, in our everyday lives. And I was tempted to move ahead to Romans chapter 6 to kind of tie this all together. But I think, first of all, I want to leave Romans 5 through 8 or 5 and beyond for another season of the podcast. There's enough here to explore. But I also uh, read this verse in chapter 4 about the Abraham's faith in a God who makes alive the dead and makes things exist that are not. And, and that verse just flew off the page. I don't think I'd really 
never thought about it or reflected on it, but I, I thought that was powerful, and I think that can help us try to draw some things together. And first, I, I want to uh, say that um, I, I want to look and consider the word forgiveness, because I, I come out of a tradition, the Lutheran Protestant tradition, uh, that really emphasizes forgiveness. I know many other uh, Western uh, Christian uh, traditions do as well. And sometimes this is critique. This is critique practically, uh, theologically, or even scripturally, saying that Paul doesn't talk that much about forgiveness. And in terms of the honor and shame stuff we've talked about earlier, wow, you know, like if you sort of move from Augustine on, this monk in the 400s, sort of the Western quote, introspective conscious that sort of obsesses over guilt and individual sin um, and the need for forgiveness rather than sort of other themes in Scripture, um, including, uh, again, honor and shame dynamics. And I think that uh, there is some truth that the Western tradition has uh, overemphasized uh, individual forgiveness. But actually... uh, I would say it's more, if anything, um, that it points the West. It's not maybe that we overemphasize forgiveness, but that we really truncated the meaning of forgiveness. Uh, So if you um, think about, like recently we've had in our discussions, this podcast is summer of 2023. There's been a lot in our media recently about uh, student loan forgiveness and the the current presidential administration's hope to uh, cancel um, the debt of students. And this gives a a nice notion for how, I think a good way for us to talk about what what we often in common parlance mean by forgiveness. And so forgiveness is very much associated uh, with forgiving of somebody's debts. A loan is forgiven or, um, you know, we even pray uh, in the Lord's Prayer, in some translations, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are, uh, you know, what others owe us or their debts to us. Uh, and, and so there's this sense in which forgiveness sort of becomes the negative of a negative, right? The taking away of a negative. And sometimes this might be accompanied by repentance, by um, the desire to live in a new or different way. might also be um, tied in with some sort of restitution, like, you know, if you're, a, if you're a kid and, you know, you, say, broke your brother's Legos, um, not that this was ever part of my family, <laughs> um, or maybe it was, uh, that, you know, you sort of had to build it back uh, to the best you could. And again, the idea is that, that forgiveness is somehow a restoring things to the condition they were. Or even, again, in, in the Bible, you know, you might make an offering to placate the gods, or in the case of the Hebrews, you know, a god, the gods, sort of anger at you. But the the sense was that you were always trying to get back to, like, a neutral point, right? That there was some stasis, that there was a sin committed, and that what was needed was a a restoration to, to where you were. But I, I want to say that uh, if, if that's what we mean by forgiveness, and again, it's a whole other topic as to whether Luther or other reformers actually meant that by forgiveness. But I just want to say, but if that's what we mean by forgiveness, then that's not what, what Paul really thinks happened on the cross. 
Uh, Paul has a sense, um, and like I talked about two podcasts ago about penal substitution, saying, hey, it's not, it's, Paul is not arguing that, um, that Jesus somehow through his blood has simply taken your punishment and now you're back sort of uh, where you were, um, that there's something else going on. And, and for Paul, what happens is that the cross and empty tomb are not simply events that have an effect, although they are events that have an effect, but, but they're really things that begin to reveal the fundamental character of God. Again, the cross and resurrection are a revelation of, of who uh, God actually is. You know, in fact, at one point uh, in the Gospel of John, uh, the Gospel writer says that it's, it's Jesus who exegetes, <laughs> who makes clear, who makes known the Father's heart. And, and that somehow this choice of Jesus to die and then, and then his exaltation, again, is not just an event that has some spillover effects, but, but really is a fundamental description of who God is and who we can expect then God to be in our lives. And so this is why Paul then can write, it's not just God who made alive the dead. It's not a past tense there. It's, it's a present tense verb, the God who is making alive, who is making alive the dead. And he uses this sort of analogy of Abraham to say, hey, this wasn't just in the cross in the empty tomb. This is the God we've come to know in, in sacred scripture, the God who makes even the dead alive. Now, Paul will more forcefully, in, in Romans chapter 5 and 6, get to where this is what God is doing in our life. But, uh, so just trust me that it's there. If you want to read ahead, you're fine. <laughs> uh, but, but what Paul, again, is saying is that this God really is our God and the God who is involved in our lives. So what does this mean for our daily living? Well, if you notice in the story that Paul talks about here, his sort of case, his, uh, yeah, his case study of God making alive, it has nothing to do with heaven and hell. And that's just important in itself, because so often when we think about Christianity and God raising from the dead, we will think of the ultimate resurrection, uh, that when we physically have died and God raising our bodies for eternal glory. And I don't want to minimize that or say that somehow that's not a reality. But I want to offer that what, what Paul is talking about here in terms of the God who raises up and who brings new life to the dead, that he's not simply, again, talking about the afterlife, but he's using an example where there were these two people that were old and as if their bodies were dead, there was no child in the womb, and then God brings to life that which was not. He raises them up and he uh, allows this, this woman to have the next generation so that the promise might be fulfilled. God can prove he's faithful and that the, the next generation will come and uh, that the promise to Abraham to be a father of great nations is fulfilled. And it's a reminder that, that um, God's uh, grace and God's forgiveness and, and God's resurrection, in some ways for Paul, are even understood simply as manifestations of his faithfulness. That God is so faithful that there's nothing that will ever stop God from accomplishing God's 
promises to humanity and will break his love for the world and for his creation. Uh, so again, God, who is God? God is one who's faithful even over and against death. God is one who raises us up to, to new life. In some ways, too, the story of Sarah and Abraham is a case study in what we mean by forgiveness. Because again, forgiveness could simply be, again, this transactional sense of forgiveness. And, uh, and I think that kind of transactional sense, no, I don't think that's actually true to what Paul imagines. But if we understand forgiveness to be uh, the way in which God opens up a new chapter, um, brings about a new situation, um, I think in that sense we can say that forgiveness has not been overemphasized by the tradition. Uh, we would just need to understand forgiveness as a sort of a full course meal here, one that, again, is, is this not just transaction but transformation. Because in the story of Abraham and Sarah, Abraham reveals Abraham's lack of faith uh, a couple times, um, actually, uh, yeah, <laughs> throughout the story. Uh, and, uh, you know, sleeping with his concubine at one point because his wife couldn't get pregnant. And then when uh, Sarah hears that she's going to get pregnant, he, he laughs. Uh, sorry, she laughs, like, as if. And, what's, and uh, then God says to her, well, you laughed. And she's like, no, 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 I didn't. Well, you know, this is, again, the power of God's grace in our lives, the power of God's forgiveness, that the grace isn't simply that we don't deserve it and that we're taken then back through a forgiveness to where we were. Uh, we're actually brought about to a new reality. Uh, uh, and, and this is then what happens with Sarah where she ends up naming her child. He laughs because God has brought her her laughter. Right? It's not simply saying, oh, I'm sorry, I laughed, and then somehow that's taken back and God's no longer mad or something in this transaction. It's literally God counts us dead to sin, but is going to make us alive in Christ. And so what does the, the work of God in Jesus Christ look like? Well, the work of God in Jesus Christ is when God interrupts our lives, um, our lives that are so often mired and blocked by sin, pounded down by death, by frailty, by limitations. And God's grace comes in. And God's grace comes in and just makes a way, opens a door, brings about and provides for reconciliation when we thought there was nothing else. So to bring this all together, these last a couple podcasts, this reflection on Paul's letter to the Romans, these opening chapters. There are going to be times in your life when you feel stuck, uh, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel defeated, even dead inside. Uh, and this can be because of physical illness, this can be because of addiction, it can be because of abuse, it can be because of mistakes. It can be because of intractable situations. It can be because of forces out of your control. It can be because of injustice that you feel is in this world or even you just directly face yourself. And in those moments, if what Christianity is offering us is simply a transaction of forgiveness to erase our previous debts, we just know that's not what we need. We need something more. We, we need one who can raise the dead to new life and who can bring to naught 
bring actually to existence those things which are not. We need a grace that interrupts our story and allows it to, to go on in a way that we couldn't even have imagined before, right? We need reconciliation. We need new life. And that's the God Paul tells us that we have come to know, that has been revealed to us, that has been um, established, put forward for all in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I could give stories of this in, in my ministry, in, in my life, but I'll actually use one from Paul. Paul is, is stuck when he's writing this letter. Uh, he's actually likely writing it from one prison. And he, you know, where does he go from here? And he's trying to figure out what's going on in Rome and, and straighten some things out there in terms of the leadership, yet at the same time establish his own credibility and on top of all that raise money because ultimately he wants to go to Spain. So this is kind of what's happening. Paul is, again, stuck in jail, and he's trying to sort of, you know, move this all, all ahead. Well, Paul will actually never get to Spain. Uh, he's, he's not able to. Um, but it turns out that, because he'll actually be permanently stuck in prison when he gets to Rome. But it turns out that, um, that God isn't going to be limited by Paul's imprisonment, but the gospel will go forth uh, to Spain. God's love for this world is bigger than just simply Paul's witness, but it will go on. And also, Paul here writes this letter to the Romans to deal with some specific issues that they're going through and try to establish, you know, what, who they are and what does it mean for them to, to know God and Jesus Christ as this community, those Jews and Gentiles. But God had, again, God's love is, is something bigger. And, and somehow uh, God will use this witness that Paul writes to, to guide and to shape the church for the next 20 centuries. And in fact, uh, Paul here writes that God is the one. He writes the one. He's writing about Abraham. But he, he writes, you know, who believed that God was the one who, who raises the dead to life. And it's fascinating here that there's this dead man, Paul. Yet um, he's very much alive to us as he points to Jesus Christ. And he's uh, very much alive in spirit as he continues to guide the church uh, through the Holy Spirit 2,000 years later. What I, what I want to uh, drive at here is um, that the God oh, we worship um, is an amazing God. And the God w we worship here, you know, when we sort of say, why don't we just give up and just imagine there's sort of no heaven, no hell, no religion, and even no God. And that's because I don't believe on our own as humans we can unstick ourselves. That we do find ourselves dead again and again in life. Uh, again, dead to our sin, dead to our shame, dead to exhaustion. And like we just don't have it. And we can try to look inward, but it's just not there. We need a grace, something outside of ourselves that will raise us up, that interrupts our life. And this is sort of, you know, going back to sort of the, the sort of the law and the gospel, like the, the, the human and the divine. The humans can sort of figure out how to cancel debts on a financial basis because it's in somebody's political or, or, or other interest, right? Or maybe even humans can find some extent of, of mercy within kin groups when there's still an expectation of sort of changed behavior. 
but it's only God who can really raise the dead from new life. It's only God who can not just simply declare a debt forgiven, but, but actually transform hearts to bring about a, a new relationship uh, in a situation. And my hope is that for you as a Christian, then, that this reflection on Romans and what I'm saying today brings up for your life times when you have sensed that there wasn't a way forward um, there was not, yet suddenly there was enough, and, and there was reconciliation, there, there was renewal, there, um, there was an encouragement that was outside of yourself telling you to go forward. So in the end, I'll uh, not be able to fully summarize all of Romans ever in my life, uh, but I'll, I'll just say that Romans here, even in the first four chapters, which in many ways is just a prologue, we're already seeing Paul so beautifully help us see the necessity of God in this world. But, but really, he's bearing witness to the power of God, to the enormity of God, but ultimately to the enormous love of God for you and for me and for this world. And I think that's enough for us to ponder this summer and beyond.